This is a Federal News Network podcast. There's a lot of talent out there in the National Guard and Reserve Forces, but the active duty forces don't have an easy way to tap that talent, much less even know it exists. Now the Defense Innovation Unit has come up with an artificial intelligence application to help close that gap. Here with more, the contractor who is DIU's technical project manager, Scott Sumner. Mr. Sumner, good to have you on. Very good to be here. Thanks for having me. And just a quick background question, if there is someone who has talent, say in cybersecurity, or it could be, I guess, in just about anything, because the Defense Department does everything in one form or another, that person can leave their job temporarily and work for the Defense Department as active duty for a period of time? Well, it wouldn't transfer to active duty in a a technical sense, but their skills would be able to be used for a short term by a hiring manager in the Department of Defense that had a short term need. So our our working analogy is kind of Uber for reservists and National Guard, that a, a need is identified on a very short notice that can be filled by someone who is a reservist or National Guard, can take advantage of the skills that they possess in their day jobs to use on behalf of the DOD. All right. So then the issue is they don't know what talent is out there. That is to say the Defense Department, active duty forces and civilian forces don't know what's in the reserve, correct? Correct. At the moment, there is no way to quantify the civilian skills that these reservists and National Guard personnel bring to the table. And so Gig Eagle would be meant to uh, quantify and categorize those skill sets so that hiring managers and people with needs in the DOD can observe those, search for them, and then find people that can fill these short-term needs. Got it. And does that work in reverse? Suppose you have a talent and you're in the reserves or the Guard, and you would say, you know, I could spend eight hours or two days over at XYZ agency or component and could probably help them with this or that. Does it work that way too? Absolutely. This is meant to be a two-way system. On the supply side, we have reservists and National Guard who input their biographical information. On the demand side, we have these gigs, we are calling them, these short-term projects or short-term needs from the DOD, where they input, this is what my need is. And then uh, we have a software layer based on artificial intelligence and machine learning that will do the matching so that once a reservist or a National Guard member opts into the system, the artificial intelligence software can search for him and say, these are the kind of gigs that you would be appropriate for. By the same token, when a hiring manager goes in, he can input a gig description and see this is the list of reservists that are most appropriate to staff your project and get some indication for the quality of the match. And then the system can put them in touch and they can say, we found each other. I never knew I could find people like you that have these skills. The reserver says, I never knew there were demands for my civilian skills that I have. And off they go. Have you had any matches by which you can give us an example? Well, the system doesn't exist yet, so I cannot say we have already done this. I can tell you what the vision is. The working analogy is Uber for reservists. Like I said, short-term notice, short-term needs. Are there people out there that can help me? So, for example, a National Guard member might be a software architect, and there is a need on the DOD side to scope a software project. Can you help us lay out what this would need to look like? Well, this guy does it all the time in his day job. There might be a need to evaluate code written by a vendor for the DOD. Can you have a look at this and see, did did they do what they needed to do? And the reservist might be a software engineer, does this all the time. We might need to assess a data center for cybersecurity risk. And a National Guard member is a security expert, does this all the time in his day job. Or say someone needs a due diligence done on a set of vendors for a meeting coming up in a week. A reservist works at a VC firm, does this all the time. You know, those kinds of things. And can you imagine this working at maybe somewhat at a less high tech level? Suppose, I don't know, 
there's an old engine in a fleet of vehicles that fly or run over the ground, and there's no one around that can fix them anymore, but some guy is really good at restoring old cars, for example. Could that be a possibility? Absolutely. What we are thinking is that the easiest fit will be for knowledge workers that can sure. work independently, location independently. But, oh yeah, we think that the potential is enormous for all kinds of gigs to be input. Is there anyone out there that can help me with this? And then a reservist that just happens to have those skills, yes, will respond and say, yeah, I'll, I'll help you with that, no problem. The potential seems enormous. There seems to be a lot of pent-up demand from leaders who say, I can't find the talent I need. It could run the gamut from whatever skills would be needed. GigEagle will be an opt-in platform for those that are most motivated to have their skills used. So this will not be an obligatory thing. People will put this on their own personal phone because they're motivated to have their civilian skills used. We're speaking with Scott Sumner. He's the technical project manager for the Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning Portfolio at the Defense Innovation Unit. And in order for this to have some degree of efficacy in artificial intelligence, I would think the data that it would need from the people would be simply more than location, address, and here's what I do for a living because some of these skills are subtle and a software architect might not be the same as a cybersecurity project manager and these things overlap, but they're different. And so what are some of the fields and how deep can a person go with respect to their particular skills? Well, we're anticipating that reservists and National Guard will import their bio from somewhere else to start, maybe from LinkedIn or somewhere else. And then they can supplement that with text that they will input to augment what's already there. And you're right, just the raw materials and the keywords that are used on a resume may not be enough. So the more they can elaborate, the better the match will be. Another benefit of these software layers is that they can do a lot of inferring based on the words that are there. They can infer, oh, someone who does this is probably also good at that. That's part of the benefit of the artificial intelligence and machine learning software that will be there. So we will have the classical resume information, we will have supplements that they add, we will have stuff the software can infer, and then we will also allow reservists and National Guard to express these kinds of gigs are the ones that I would be looking for. So we can take into account their desires. Got so it. this is much more than just a keyword search that you could do in a spreadsheet. That, that will not be sufficient. And that, you're right, there are a lot of subtleties in how platforms go about doing this. But this is why we're not paying to have this built as a custom thing. We are looking for a commercial off-the-shelf solution that already exists. So a lot of the companies that we anticipate working with have these software layers already trained and by virtue of already processing thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of resumes and experiences are already trained and kind of know what to look for. So the platform that we choose will not be starting from scratch in that regard. It will bring a lot of intelligence to the party, which is what we're looking for. And you mentioned it will be available on people's phones eventually, but will it also be a desktop app so that someone sitting in an office looking for talent can get on a regular screen and do it? Sure, of course. It'll be available via a browser, desktop, or mobile, and then we'll have a mobile app besides. But you bring up a good point. A lot of our discussion has centered around, will there be professional HR hiring people that will run this platform? And we are really trying to get away from that. We are trying to allow, just like with Uber, I'm standing on a street corner, I have a need, I'm only letting you know with 10 minutes notice, and I expect someone with the right transportation capability to show up. So that may be a little bit extreme, but it, it really is illustrative in terms of what we're after. I am a leader of some kind in the DOD. I have this need that I didn't know I needed until you know 10 minutes ago. I'm gonna put it into Gig Eagle and I wanna get immediate or near immediate 
evaluation of who is out there that can help me. And is um, DOD in sponsoring this development, are they looking at the implications for small business contractors who may see a competitive vector coming at them that's not operating within the federal acquisition regulation necessarily? Sure. There is a lot of long-term thinking that already, the juices are already flowing at DOD about what this could turn into. What we're trying to be careful, though, of is that we don't try and be all things to all people from the get-go. So that's why you hear me mention reservists and National Guard initially. That is going to be our initial foray into this. Reservists and National Guard, civilian skills, how can the DOD use those? And what we're hoping is to get a lot of good anecdotes from our testing community of, you know, many hundreds or a small number of thousands, where the reservists and National Guard say, I never knew someone could use my civilian skills in the DOD. The hiring managers in the DOD say, I never knew that there were people out there that had these skills that could help me. We want to get a lot of anecdotes of those kind going, and that will help us qualify the platform, first of all, and then also get the momentum building within the DOD for the use of a kind of tool like this. This really will be revolutionary within the DOD in terms of how talent is used and managed. So we want to have some early successes, some early good anecdotes to tell. Then long term, where could this go? You mentioned active duty, you mentioned civilians, you mentioned, yes, it, it could, you know, move into that long term. But initially, we're just looking at reservists and National Guard, civilian skills, get those into the duty and use those to get the word out. And what is the timeline for completion of at least the initial version of this app? Well, our public solicitation went out on the 11th of June and closed on the 25th of June. So we had two weeks where the vendor community was able to respond to our solicitation and get in the mix. We're currently evaluating the submissions that we received for applicability to the gig eagle requirements. We're hoping to have a platform vendor under contract sometime this fall, maybe, with prototype software available for select groups of internal DOD users late this fall or early next year. And then you'll have to get the word out to those guardsmen and reservists, too, so that they know this is here. Correct. So there will be a marketing and education campaign that will go out probably early next year to let people know that the app is available and able to be used for importation of biographical information. Look on Gig Eagle for ways that the DOD may be able to use your civilian skills that you did not previously know. So that's what we're looking at sometime next year. Scott Sumner is the technical project manager for the Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning Portfolio at the Defense Innovation Unit. By the way, you're, you're a contractor yourself, correct? Yes, correct. All right, but not coming from the Guard or <laughs> Reserves. No, I, I myself am not a reservist or National Guard member. Most of my background is in the commercial world. Um, but DIU sitting right between the Pentagon and the commercial world, they take people from both sides, people that major on the commercial side, people that major on the military side. And we have a very good mix of talent and skills within DIU to bring people together. That's what we do. Well, thanks for joining us. Happy to do it. Hear the Federal Drive On Demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, 
Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. 
You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. 
Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 